Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. This will be the exhorted text tonight for us. I will read down to uh, verse 4, um, just so we can get a, a good feel of what the this church in Thessalonica is going through. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Amen. That is a reading of God's word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again uh, for bringing us into uh, this assembly. Um, we pray, Lord, that as we are looking into this greeting, we know, Lord, that uh, these are not just mere words, Lord. This is the words of you, Almighty God. And at, at times we do take these things for granted. Um, but we pray, Lord, that we would not do so tonight, that we would understand um, what our hope is. And we pray, Lord, that if there's anyone, anyone here, Lord, that do not... Uh, care about what is actually revealed in these words. We, we pray, Lord, that you would grant them most of all salvation uh, because, Lord, this is the reason why we are saved. Um, and these are the things that we all should leap for joy to hear. And so help us, Lord, to really gravitate to what we are uh, listening to and hearing uh, in your assembly. May our hearts be enlightening. May our minds uh, receive all the things that are received here in this passage. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. As we are starting a uh, new series here uh, in 2 Thessalonians, uh, it's important to realize that it's a lot of things that were talked about and ex expounded upon in the first letter is going to end up being kind of repeated uh, in this letter. Um, but this letter is more straight to the point. Um, there's less emotional uh, language that like Paul uh, used in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, but nevertheless, it is a reminder that they are to rely upon the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really what this uh, opening greeting is all about. It's about having how they have the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and then God the Son. Um, and that's really what this epistle is all about, to keep maintaining that hope um, as they are moving forward, uh, even by, while being persecuted, even while going through trials, uh, they are to always walk in knowing that they are in God the Father 
and that they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and by the power of the Spirit, this is applied to them, which brings me to kind of the opening of what we need to understand. This morning, we heard about our redemption accomplished um, through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ um, and through his resurrection and even in his ascension. Uh, but now we're going to really understand why, what is applied to all believers who are in uh, Christ Jesus. So this morning was redemption accomplished. But what we're seeing now in this church, this small church in Thessalonica is redemption applied. Um, because this is something that all of us as Christians will always resonate with. And so... That's all introduction, but the teaching that we are to come away with is that all true believers have spiritual union and communion with God and receive the benefits of grace and peace by faith. It's not in and of itself. You don't receive benefits just because they're benefits, but it's by faith that we actually receive these things. And so uh, point number one, we will see all true believers have spiritual union and communion. And point number two, all true believers will receive grace and peace from God, and we, they will receive this by faith. So point number one, all true believers have spiritual union and communion with God. Paul starts right off the bat in this letter reminding them that they have this. Paul is indeed the writer of this epistle. Now, you may say, well, of course, but actually in modern scholarship today, think that this epistle is actually forgery, that Apostle Paul did not write this. One of the main reasons is because it's shorter, and one of the main reasons is because it, let, it has less emotional language as in the first one. Um, the reason, but you can understand the reason why that would be because... This letter was actually probably written maybe a few weeks after the first letter. Um, and Paul wrote this while he was actually in Corinth. Um, and so this is, this is very, this is not that far along from the first letter. And so that's the reason why Paul is like strictly to the point, because he's already then said um, how they are dear to him and, and he loves them. Um, he keeps reminding them of many things that he already did was told, and remember, the first letter, Paul started off with, he was frightened in a sense of what might happen once he left. Will the devil take what uh, the seeds that Apostle Paul sowed uh, in First Thessalonians, in, in, in this church in Thessalonica? And he receives good, good news from Timothy and said, no, they're, they're, they're prospering. And that's exactly what we get here in this, in this epistle. They are still, still uh, prospering. And so Paul is indeed the writer of this epistle. We do have Sylvanus and Timothy here, but what, why they're here, it, the reason why they're here is because they are co-senders of this epistle. They are right there next to uh, the apostle Paul while, he's, while he is in Corinth. Um, ministering over there. I mean, I, and really, he was in Corinth for, for a very, very, very good while um, while he was writing this uh, epistle. And so we know about Sylvanus. He's a very 
a good co-laborer with the Apostle Paul. Um, he is faithful to the scriptures as well. He's a good leader. Um, and he, that's why he is always with the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys. We know about Timothy. Um, now, there's a misconception about Timothy being, and we like to rhyme it, Timit Timothy. But the Apostle Paul actually never described Timothy in that way. Uh, actually, Timothy was very, was very used by God. He called, him, he called Timothy's God's, God's co-laborer. God's, not Paul's, but God's co-laborer. And even while they were, um, even while they were, Paul was experiencing people leaving uh, him while he was moving forward, uh, it was Timothy that stayed with them the whole time. And so he had a lot of good things to say about uh, Timothy. And there's misconceptions of why Timid, Timmy, uh, Timothy being timid and reasons why is because of 1st and 2nd Timothy. Um, they think just because of the exhortations, that means he's timid. And no, T Timothy is actually a good, hard co-laborer uh, of God. And so that's, that's the tone that Paul gives about Timothy. Uh, but nevertheless, it is Paul who is uh, delivering uh, the main uh, speaker in this, path, in this old letter. And you can read this, and if you have any doubt, <laughs> you can read this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of the genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. And so you can see it in Paul's uh, greeting and in his, in his whole letter that he is indeed the author of this epistle. Now, the opening of Paul's words expresses uh, that, that all true believers have spiritual union and communion uh, with Christ. Paul says that they are in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says in, that doesn't mean that, he, that they are God themselves, but they partake in the benefits of being united with the Lord Jesus Christ in his human nature and, and, and by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, dying on the cross for their sins and, and even giving them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uniting them to the benefits that is received by being united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the God the Father being their father. They receive love by God the Father. Always. Again, you're not at war with God. God has no beef with you. You're not his op, as they say uh, in the modern day language, op. You know, op, as in it, he's your opponent. No, he is, he loves you. And you experience grace that is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. We'll get into that in a minute. And you receive the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And if we really truly understood what that means, we would have more delight whenever we hear uh, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We would just leap <laughs> for, for many things that is spoken in many of our uh, worship service. And so uh, negatively, they, negatively, they are not one person with the Father and the Son. They uh, receive all these benefits through the covenant of the Lord Jesus, that is love, the Lord Jesus Christ being their mediator 
and the covenant that is revealed to all his people all throughout the ages of the world. And in that sense, we are all Catholic. In that sense. Catholic means universal. That means all the people who call upon the Lord in every age and in all times. And so in that sense, we are the universal, we are part of the universal uh, church. And so, but this is only in the power of the Holy Spirit. First John chapter two, verse 20, chapter two, verse 27 and 28, it says, but the anointing, and anytime you see that word anointing, it is, it is believed by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is the anointing. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And that's why Jesus Christ uh, in John chapter 15, abide in me, rest in me, believe in me, do not go away. And that, that is something that is the benefits that we have as being children of God. And so he goes on in verse 28, he says, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence. Many of us lack confidence in, in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ at times. Does this really apply to me? Well, the John is giving you that you can have confidence. You have confidence and not shrink from him in the shame at his coming. So if you're really truly resting in the work of the Lord and you are prospering in the spirit, you can have confidence that this applies to you right now. First John also in first John chapter five, verse 20. And we know that the son of God has come and, and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Notice those ends. We are in the Lord. We are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the apostle Paul is bringing this language. Um, it is in the spirit that we receive these things. Now Christ is mentioned here. And while Christ is mentioned here, it automatically proves that this Christ is deity. Christ is God. Paul would have no reason to put Christ here if Christ was not God, uh, right next to God the Father. Um, and so that is something that we should always know, that Christ is mentioned here. And so without Christ, there is no access. There is no access to God the Father. Without the Spirit, there is no access to Christ. And they all flow uh, with one another. And so this communion that we have, it's not just the literal knowledge that we have communion with God, but it's experiential. It's something that you can leap up whenever you wake up in the morning, that you indeed, that God, the triune God is with you, with all the things that you have to go through in that day, whatever it is, it is through the triune God. And you can have this knowledge, and it's not just mere literal knowledge, it's, it's, a, it's a knowing. It's the same knowledge as when Adam knew his wife. It's that intimate that you can have an 
intimate knowledge of the Lord that he is with you. It's not a dogmatic faith, dogmatics. It's not just an outward profession, but it's a true reality. Now, there's a slight difference that we see here uh, compared to the first letter. And there's a reason uh, for that. In the first letter, uh, you, there's many things that's, it's, it's a, there's one thing that's, that's different. Uh, in this letter, he says, to the church of Thessalonians, in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace, to, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first Thessalonians, he says, the God and Father. Now, why would he want to specify our God and Father? Why would he want to do that? Well, he understands that they are going through persecution. He understands that they are receiving the, one of the things was taking up the cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the, the things that we will have. We will experience persecution. It says that anyone who uh, lives for righteousness will indeed uh, be persecuted. They will indeed be persecuted. So that's what they are experiencing. And Paul wants to clarify the fatherhood of God by saying, our father. Not just the father, but our father. That means us as leaders, we are with you. He's showing the solidarity that all of us have with having God as our Father and with having the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so that's the solidarity, the family of God that we have uh, being with uh, united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the goal is to provide these persecuted brethren with, conference, with, with comfort. And so they do not face these trials alone as pagans. And that's what they were. If you read Acts 17, whenever this, uh, when Apostle Paul delivered the gospel message to these, uh, these, these, these people who are in Thessalonica, the Jews didn't believe, but these Gentiles did. And they surrendered all that they had and followed uh, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they are not facing these trials alone as pagans, but as a community. And so that's point number one. All true believers have spiritual union and communion with God. Now, what we need to understand by application is that when you are suffering or being, and I say when, when you are suffering and when you are being persecuted, how often do you think of your union and communion that you have with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? In the early church, you know what, what books were being written most about? The Trinity. In our day, it's a lot of selfish mumbo-jumbo that has nothing to do with the gospel. But this is something rich that we need to always praise God now for. Even as we are going through trials, James says, count it all joy, all joy, when you face, when you face trials, it didn't say maybe you, when, when you maybe face trials, but when you, as you are facing trials. 
And so if you are losing your footing at this point, if you are losing your footing, you need to set your mind and your heart on this foundation, this foundation that is our hope and that is the Lord, the, the triune God as our foundation. And you need to meditate upon this communion that you have. How often do you do that? With each person of, of the Trinity, how often do you do that? That is something that we ought to be doing and it, and it strengthens our faith, especially, especially as we're going through uh, persecution. Always remember that you have communion and communion with other Christians. This is why he says, our father. And by the way, that's why you say our father in the Lord's prayer. Because you're not always, you're not praying alone. It's all, it's, we are united with one another and we all have the same father. And so you ought to know that you don't suffer alone. There are brothers and sisters all across the world that are going through many, many persecutions. And you need to look at each other that way by the, as, as you look at each other every uh, Lord's Day and maybe throughout the week. That this person is the one Christ has died for. And this person is going through trials just like I am. Their own specific trials that God has decreed before the foundation of the world for them to go through. But nevertheless, we are united with one another. And leaders, leaders need to look at the church this way. I, uh, I and, and many elders and all deacons need to look at the church this way. We have one father, we have the son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And that's how we ought to always look. Paul did it, so we ought to do it as leaders. But you cannot understand any of this and you can't experience any of this if you are not born again. You have no clue what I'm talking about or what Paul is talking about when we say union and communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know what your fellowship is with? Your fellowship is with Satan. He's the Father, he's your Father, and he is the one that you will receive his inheritance. And that is darkness, the hellfire, forever. That's how serious this is. And so you, if you are, uh, if you do not understand what it means to be united to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask the God to save you while there's still time. While there's still time, because there is coming a time where, just like the days of Noah, that day is, the doors are shut. The doors are shut, and there's no, it's not when the rain comes, it's the seven days before when the doors are shut, and no more preaching, no more calling to come to the, to, to the, to the boat. No more, it's done. And so while there's still time, please consider yourself and consider your family to escape the wrath that is to come and experience this blessed union and communion that all believers enjoy. Second point, all true believers receive grace and peace from God. And that's by faith, by faith. 
This salutation, grace and grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This salutation is the standard greeting in the New Testament, and there is a reason why. There is a reason why that this is the standard greeting. In the Old Testament, the standard greeting was shalom, peace. Peace be unto you. But in the New Testament, it's always grace. You know why? Because grace shines brighter, shines so much brighter in the New Testament. And I have the scriptures to even look, help us look to that. John chapter 1. Starting in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. John, that is John the Baptist, bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me, after me, ranks before me because he, had, he was before me. And then in verse 16, from his fullness, we have received what? Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. For the law given through Moses, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And so while John is not saying there wasn't grace in the Old Testament, what he's saying is there is abundance of grace that we experience. You heard it this morning. That, that the veil was torn top to bottom. We have free access. There's no, no more priests. We have free access to God the Father. And if that doesn't motivate you to pray, I don't know what will. I really don't. It's not going to be anything that the church offers you. We should be loving to pray because this is how we exercise our, uh, red our, our redemption. Again, redemption applied. This is redemption applied. What we heard this morning is a redemption accomplished. And so this is what we get. We get grace upon grace. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That is all people. Now, it's interesting that Paul says grace and peace to these Gentile Christians. This is something that the Old Testament saints, when they heard peace, it was, it was a greeting that the Jews would give one another. Peace unto you. Peace unto you. But now he's giving it to these Gentile Christians. Gentile Christians. And showing that Jesus, who is the true Israel, Gentiles are engrafted in as well as Jews. And so that is the grace upon grace that is uh, given unto us. Now, to have peace is to comprehend and, and rest in the blessings of God. That's what true peace means. You, again, you have, no, you have no enmity with God. Your conscience is at peace with God. And this is exactly what these Thessalonians are experiencing. And this is what they need to be reminded of, especially from an apostle. They are going through persecution. And while they have war, everybody's coming at them. They're losing their family members. 
They're losing, maybe some of their friends are walking away from them. They're losing all these things. But Paul is telling them grace and peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Even though you are going through trials, you have peace. Peace that none of these people that's leaving you experience. And that's why it's so sweet to hear this peace uh, that flows from the grace of God. And so this peace surpasses understanding even while trials and persecution, persecution happens upon Christians. And peace flows from grace. That's why grace is mentioned first. It's by grace that you receive this peace. And that's why it's mentioned first. You have favor with God. That's what it means to have grace. You have favor. You have all the benefits of the covenant of grace that is upon you. It's right there at your hand. It's right there when you read the scriptures. It's right there whenever you, see, whenever you hear the word being preached to you. It's right there whenever you hear the salutation as we start our worship service. It's right there for you. It's the grace and peace that you can experience experientially. And that's why in Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God, again, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual, every spiritual blessing. It's not some blessing. Oh, you can't just walk around and say, I feel kind of blessed. What scripture is that? Second hesitations? <laughs> you have all spiritual blessings. You have all spiritual blessings right now in God the Father and the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. And so in grace, we experience these uh, spiritual blessings and it's God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the source of grace and peace. And that's why repeating these names in, 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 this, in these scriptures, in what we have right now, that's why he's repeating these names. So that you can recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. And so grace and peace plays the origin. It plays the origin of how you became a Christian. And grace and peace will always follow you throughout the rest of your life. And this is something that the angels maybe can experience as well, grace. They are elect angels. And this is something that they, even themselves, they don't experience mercy. We do. But they do have grace because they are uh, elect angels. And so this is something that whole creation cries out grace and peace that we have and so by application um, of the second point all true believers receive uh, grace and peace from God and it's by faith that we all receive all these things you must receive these things by faith now much like the benediction just like the benediction we can take the salutation and these words, grace and peace, for granted. And we do it often. But there are some here who may are going through persecution in, in, in some shape or form. Well, they are. 
They're going through persecution and they realize that God is all that they have. There are some here that, that, that have that at this point. And, that, and for you to have that, you are to keep availing of the means of grace. Do not let up. Do not get caught up in the world system. Do not get, get too comfortable and too complacent because God is for you and he will never be against you. And so you are to continue in that. And that, indeed, there are some here. But there's also some here, and this may be most of us, maybe most of us here in this, in this uh, assembly tonight. Most of us go through a spirit, or not a spirit, but a time of backsliding. And yes, it is backsliding. A time of backsliding by taking these things for granted. If you take these words, grace and peace, for granted, you are backsliding. Now, you are on the verge. And this must be said, you are on the verge to apostatizing. Why do I say that? Because this is what the Lord has done for us. These words should always be sweet to us. And if it's not, then it shows a lack of love. And there goes my problem and there goes your problem. And that's what, and what we need to do is beware of formality. These are not just mere words. This is God's word. And so even a greeting like this is something that we should take hold of and look at it as precious. These Thessalonians did. Why? Because they are going through persecution. And so we need to hear this, this salutation for, to, com to comfort us. The Thessalonians need it. That means you need it. It's like, I'll give you an example. Before I became Christian, I heard the song Amazing Grace many, 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 many times. I, can quote, I could quote all the lyrics. But when I came to know the Lord at age 20, it was like I heard these things for the first time. And every word was precious to me. That's what we experience and that we should never lose older. We can never lose that. We are always to, to seek to be fed by the, the, the benefits of our redemption. And that, that is why some of us, we go through a period of backsliding because this is where it starts not loving the things that the God has done for us. And so rely upon the Spirit to enlighten your mind to understanding, remembering, as it is for the first time, these words of grace and peace. Ask the Spirit to enlighten your mind to these things. These are not just mere words. And by the way, If the Holy Spirit is not enlightening your minds to the real true meaning of these words and many words that we say throughout our Christian life, like justification by faith alone, uh, we say by grace alone, through faith alone, we can articulate these languages. We can articulate these words. But if the Holy Spirit does not have you to remember some of these things and what they mean, you are susceptible to all types of heretics. 
How do, they, there's many heretics that can say gospel. There's many heretics that can say you're saved by just, you're justified by faith alone through grace alone. And people hear that because it's the formula. It's the formula, and they take up their children and move to the Midwest because of these words and not the real, true understanding of these words. It's just, what does the person mean by faith alone? What does the person mean by justification? What do these words mean by grace and peace? What does it mean? You must never lose hold of that because many heretics will bring you in just by saying the formula. Oh yeah, he believes in, he says gospel. Gospel, we like gospel. They said that in the Council of Trent. What do they mean by faith? What do they mean by grace? And so we must always uh, rely upon uh, the spirit to enlighten our minds. And if not, that's why I said we're on this verge to backslide. We're getting close. Now, that's the second group that might be here today. The third group, some of you might be going through serious backsliding. And some may even be strangers to this grace and peace. And you are always at war with God, even though you can speak the formula. You may be watching online, you may be hearing, hearing these pews. But what you ought to do is you ought to examine yourself and recognize the spiritual war that is around you. And you are to surrender your life to Christ right now. And so that you can't become too comfortable, you can't become too complacent. And that's why some people are going through serious backsliding by not having these words upon their hearts. I give you an observation of why these words don't mean anything to you. This is the observation, Luke 1, 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, and with the rich, he has sent away. That's why these words don't mean anything. That's why. And let's be, let's, let's, let's be authentic here. All of us, every single one of us is rich. All of us. And I'm not talking about money. It's not just money. We are rich in resources. We are rich in talents. We have a bunch of Bibles. We, we, we have a bunch of Bibles in our, in our homes. We are rich in gifts, rich in, in, in all types of things, infinite resources. We have not only our daily bread, we have five daily breads and snacks in between. We don't understand our spiritual poverty. And that is the reason why these words may not mean, it's not all of you, but these words may not mean nothing. This is oh, this is a nice greeting. Yeah. You don't recognize your spiritual poverty. And that's because you're rich. You're rich. And you must understand the first beatitude that sets the tone of all beatitudes. Bless are the poor in spirit. But theirs is the kingdom of God. 
You must recognize that. Don't get caught up in, again, we got so much stuff. To, so much stuff to the point that when we hear this, it doesn't mean much. I mean, we have, some churches offer hay rides and petting zoos. So they don't have, they don't have an understanding of what it really is that we need. We have to bait people to come to prayer. This is a sad thing. If we really understood who, what, we, what we are and who we need, we'd be crying out to the, to the Lord at all times. So don't get caught up in the ways of this world. Recognize your spiritual poverty. Recognize your need of the Lord each and every day. And you will read these words, grace and peace, and say, wow, to me? Me? Yes, you. Yes, you. So that's our application. And, and if you are not, again, if you are not born again, again, you are a stranger of his grace and grace. And so you must surrender to the Lord. You must always uh, recognize your spiritual poverty, not rest in your works, not rest in your own labors, not rest in your benefits that have benefits that are being given under a prosperous just because you're in a prosperous nation. You ought to always rest in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, when you do, believers, believers in Christ, you will, we will all say together, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me we would say it with so much joy, and, and, and when we hear those words, peace, oh God, God, you are my peace. And, I, and, and it can never be taken away from me. And that is worth glorifying our God. Now, may the God of God of grace, the God of peace, continue to bless us and continue to sanctify us. And may God always be glorified by his people. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder of uh, the grace and peace that is uh, within you, O oh Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you will forgive us in ways that we forget. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would help us by the Spirit, Lord, to, again, not to be looking to the world, but be filled with the love of Christ and filled with the grace and truth that is uh, within him. And so thank you, Lord, for this reminder. And may everyone here, Lord, continue to walk in a manner of understanding this grace and peace. And for those who are strangers, Lord, we pray that you would open up their eyes to behold the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender to him. It's in his name we do pray. Amen. Last song uh, we will sing is song number 456. 456. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Let's sing.